If anyone steals a door as a result of a quarrel, he shall replace everything that may get lost in the house, and he shall pay 40 shekels of silver. And I read that, and I thought, why are people stealing each other's doors as a result of a quarrel? I'm here with Kevin Underhill, author of The Emergency Sasquatch Ordinance and Other Real Laws That Human Beings Have Actually Dreamed Up, Enacted, and Sometimes Even Enforced. Hello. So, Kevin, yeah, hi. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yes, I am a lawyer. It, I'm a partner with Shakardian Bacon in uh, San Francisco. We're based in Kansas City, where I'm from, but uh, I'm in San Francisco now. Professionally, I do a lot of writing. I'm kind of uh, the legal issues guy on cases. I do uh, briefing. I supervise associates on briefing and uh, do jury instructions, things like that. And for the most part, none of that is funny at all. Um, but uh, on the side, I have been doing for several years now a blog called Lowering the Bar, which is at loweringthebar.net. I usually say it's one of the best legal humor blogs in the world, which is safe because it's also one of the only legal humor blogs in the world. And the, the book really uh, grew out of that. Some of what's in the book has appeared on the blog, but a lot of it is original research into, well, into dumb laws. How long did it take you to look all these up and to write about them and to finish the book, and how did you come to write the book in the first place? The general idea was to uh, write a book about weird or dumb laws in which all of the entries had actually been researched and checked out by a lawyer. There have been a number of books like these in the past, but often if you look up the law that they're talking about, if you're interested enough to do that, often you find out it doesn't exist or they have they had taken it out of uh, context to make it funny. And the example I always use is there was a book uh, a few years ago called You Can't Tie Your Alligator to a Fire Hydrant. And that was actually the, the name of the book and it was one of the laws um, in the book. Well, if you look it up, if you look up the, the law, it uh, what it says is you can't attach anything to a fire hydrant which is a perfectly reasonable law to have. So to make it funny, they had taken it totally out of context, um, which to me just seemed like cheating. And a lot of people who, who have written these books are not lawyers. There's actually only one other book I know of where it was written by a lawyer uh, and they made an effort to track these things down. So, And, and the point was, you make in your introduction is that there are so many weird and odd laws out there that are true, there's no need to make things up. Right, and I've, uh, that's something I've thought for a long time about cases. There are, are emails that go around with weird case law as sort of examples for why we need tort reform, and some of those are completely made-up cases, and it's the same thing. I think there are so many weird ones already out there. Why would uh, It would take more time to make them up than it would to do a search and find them. So not to spoil the entire book for everyone, but what is the Emergency Sasquatch Ordinance? Well, that is a law that was passed in uh, a county in Washington that it's actually the one where um, Mount St. Helens is. And in the 60s, uh, not too long after the famous uh, Patterson-Gimlin film came out, that's the one where... Bigfoot supposedly is walking across the clearing from left to right. It's fairly, fairly famous and probably what most people think of when they think of a, a Bigfoot. Uh, 
that was filmed actually in Northern California, but about that time, you know, when that was released, then there was a lot of interest in uh, Sasquatch, and so I, people were coming out to uh, out in the Cascades, especially, and apparently running around looking for Bigfoot. And so either there was one of two motives for this this ordinance. Um, either the uh, particular county wanted to encourage people to come to that county for tourism reasons, or uh, you can take them at their word as to what they said in the in the ordinance, which is that uh, you know whereas people were coming to the the area and roaming around the woods with uh, with weapons, looking for uh, looking for Sasquatch for the purpose of shooting it. And whereas that was potentially dangerous, uh, they decided to make um, make it a felony to uh, to kill a Sasquatch, you know, supposedly for the purpose of deterring people from coming up there and running around the woods, gunning for you know humanoid shapes in the the forest, because that was not going to turn out well. It was passed on April 1st, I noticed, uh, but they uh, they went back to it and amended it uh, about 15 years later. Uh, they made they turned it from a felony to a they made it only a misdemeanor for one thing, uh, and that one was not on April first. So I don't know if they had a sense of humor to begin with and then got serious about it later. But uh, but that's that's the ordinance, and I have a I have a copy of that in the book, and it was it was actually passed uh, on an emergency basis to take effect immediately. So that's where the name came from. So you don't only look at U.S. laws, though. You uh, also go back into humanity's past uh, <laughs> and look at the, the code of Amurabi and see what the Hittites were getting up to. And uh, Yeah, and they were getting up to some weird stuff, too. Some weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Don't steal doors if you're a Hittite, apparently. Yeah, I found, that, I found that very strange. Uh, so, yeah, let's talk about that one. The, the, I expected to start with code of Hammurabi. I actually found one earlier. There is one earlier law code that we know about, so it starts with that, but then there's actually a pretty good compilation of the laws of the Hittites, who are right after the Babylonians, and this is around around 1600 BC. There's a pretty good compilation just called uh, the laws of the Hittites, and there's uh, several hundred uh, of those. And so one of them is this. Uh, If anyone steals a door as a result of a quarrel, he shall replace everything that may get lost in the house and he shall pay 40 shekels of silver. And I read that, and I thought, why are people stealing each other's doors as a result of a quarrel? You and know, not how specific, not just stealing doors for any reason, but because oh, well, yeah. they got in a fight. Like, is this Hittite bros going around pulling pranks on each other's huts? <laughs> yeah, it's either pranks or um, or just, be, just to get back at somebody. I guess they would take somebody's door... Uh, I mean, that's what this seems to suggest, uh, that they would take the door, uh, run away with it, and apparently the, the if it was for a quarrel, I guess the purpose is to make it easy for somebody to break into your house and get your stuff. But it's just a very strange thing because, you know, first of all, if you see somebody walking down the street with a door, I would, you know, guess it's pretty, that's not exactly something you can hide. And it also seems like there are easier ways to get back at people than, than doing that. And, you know, sometimes with some of these older ones, you know, you have to wonder, well, is there – sometimes there's an issue with translation. Uh, sometimes it just won't – it doesn't make sense because we don't understand the cultural context. So I tried to uh, 
you know, provide for that to the extent I could. I mean, I'm not an expert on Hittite customs, obviously, but sometimes they just seem inexplicable. So how did you go about researching this? To some extent, I was able to rely on some of these older, uh, these previous books on dumb laws, although I did go through and and check them uh, to make sure that they were they were real, and sometimes sometimes they were, sometimes they weren't, sometimes they were taken out of context. So I was able to get, I don't know, maybe 100 that way so I could take advantage of that research. After that, I embarked on a process of basically reading codes. And I don't know how many people can say they've read the entire U.S. code. Uh, I certainly can't say that, but I can say I at least read the table of contents of the of all 50 volumes of the U.S. Code. So I spent a couple of months basically reading uh, the tables of contents of uh, statutes in the U.S. and around the world, which probably did not make me a very entertaining person for a while, but I think it turned out well. So you did get some attention about this book from Boing Boing. What uh, has been the reaction of people to the book so far? Uh, so far, the reaction has been great. Uh, it was <clears throat> That's another uh, facet uh, or another result, ultimately, of the blog, because a guy named Corey Doctorow, who's an author um, and one of the editors of Boing Boing, has been following the blog for a while, and he would occasionally repost something from it, and that, that always uh, that always sends a ton of traffic to the blog. And so uh, I sent him a review copy of the book, and I was very excited to, that, uh, to find out that he liked it. You know, it's hard to know exactly what the what the effect of that is, but I can say it bumped me up about twenty thousand places on the Amazon ranking list. So I was very happy with that. Well, uh, thank you so much for talking to us today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Sure, thank you. And uh, to everyone out there, uh, just know that I personally have learned that if you only have one arm, it is indeed legal to carry a switchblade. This podcast was brought to you by the ABA Journal. For more podcasts on the legal issues of the day, visit us online at abajournal.com or subscribe for free to the ABA Journal podcast on iTunes.